Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza and today I'm excited to dive into an NFL scouting combine recap with, yes, Matt Harmon, my usual partner, but also Yahoo draft expert, Eric Edholm, who had boots on the ground in Indianapolis. I got to hear about the shrimp cocktail. Might be the last year you get to have it there. Uh, but yeah. first, <laughs> well, yeah, tell us. Uh, so real quick, I know you and Charles discussed it on the You Pod to Win the Game pod, but personal thoughts as to whether or not for real, just you're not like because of sources or texts or I spoke to this person in this organization. Do you think? <laughs> that the combine will stay in Indy more than beyond 2023. I could see it possibly be on a rotating basis where it, it shows up there every couple of years or they're open to bringing it back. But it, you know, heading into combine week, my feeling was they are hell bent to get out of here. They w they want to go to LA. They want to go to Vegas. They want to go to Dallas. One of those spots and those cities have put big bids in Everybody else is complaining. The NFL folks have a rhythm to their week. They know how Indy works. It works well for them. NFL media folks are about the same. So, yeah, there there was a, a kind of a wistful air last week. But I was told, I know you don't want the sources, but I'm going to give you the sources. <laughs> I talked to somebody fairly in the know about NFL operations who said, don't be so sure to assume that it's not coming back. You know, that there's, there's a pos possibility of it returning to Indy next year. So, Take that for what it's worth. Oh, yeah, I think 2022. I mean, I'm just imagining 23 and beyond, especially when you have these billion-dollar stadiums and complexes yeah. um, in L.A. and Dallas, et cetera. Um, but you know what? We're talking about Indianapolis, so I feel like we should start with some Carson Wentz news. Uh, he will no longer be returning to Indianapolis. Instead, he is moving to our nation's capital uh, as the quarterback for the Washington Commanders. Washington gets Wentz a second and a seventh in this trade that I know Matt has big feelings about, and we will <laughs> allow him the floor to pontificate and emote maybe more than pontificate about. Um, guys, this is also breaking news. Kyle Allen, he's a free agent now. The market I hear is wonky. Um, and the last piece about this, Russell Wilson, definitely not interested in becoming a member of the commies. It was a hard no for him. Refused to waive his no trade clause. Carson Wentz, though, maybe uh, biggest pain in the ass in the NFL. He's cool with it. Matt, floor is yours. I mean, oh, my God, this is <laughs> uh, this is probably not the worst trade in NFL history, because like there's def I mean, there's definitely been worse. Like, I think I said the same thing about the DeAndre Hopkins trade a couple years ago. That was the worst trade I've ever seen. This isn't probably isn't the worst trade ever, but it's my I think it's my least favorite trade of all time because uh, it number one, it reeks of desperation. And uh, Zach Kiefer's article uh, in The Athletic about like the Carson Wentz side of this almost confirms that because Washington apparently originally offered like a fourth round pick and a sixth round pick or something. And then when Russell Wilson gave them the stiff arm, that's when they actually boosted their offer to a couple third round picks. And it's just like, OK, I, you know. Listen, you said it. Wentz is a, probably a pain in the ass on a personal end. It sounded like, it, and apparently, it's the same article that I referenced earlier. Zach Kiefer wrote this that Wentz actually tried to meet with Jim Mersey to like clear the air on this, and he said no. 
he hit him with the out of office uh, <laughs> notification. So pretty unbelievable. It sounds like basically everybody but Frank Reich was definitely not willing to was not willing to run this thing back. Like I think Reich maybe could have talked himself back into it because as we talked about in the last podcast that we were together, Liz, these two guys are buddies. And I think that's kind of clouding Reich's vision of this whole thing. But the weird part of it to me, the mul- multiple weird angles of it, the fact that they're trading all of these picks, the fact that they're absorbing his salary. And I'm thinking to myself this morning, and I- I'll pose this question to you guys what is the difference between Carson Wentz and Jameis Winston when you can just go out and like think about it this way a couple of former top two picks turnover problems like I mean are specialized in backbreaking turnovers definitely not the answer right like neither of these guys is the answer Um, you're going to be looking for quarterbacks in the next couple years and and both of them have serious injury questions uh, and, and they've got like big arms or whatever you know so when you could just go out and sign one of these guys, like I don't think there's a gap between Carson Wentz and Jameis Winston, Carson Wentz and Marcus Mariota, Carson Wentz and Mitchell Trubisky. Like I don't, I don't see a gap between those players. You could go sign one of them for one year and you know twelve, fifteen million, whatever, or you can pay Carson Wentz his entire freaking contract and give up multiple day two picks. To me, it's just it's a terrible, terrible idea that, um, like I said, reeks of desperation. I think I know the answer to your question, by the way. I think I know the difference between Carson Wentz and Jameis Winston. Carson Wentz is Jameis Winston without the without the fun, without the bad <laughs> crazy stuff, right? You know? I mean, really. He's not, a, not the same Instagram workout routine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have the cool videos. We don't have the, uh, you know, eat them W's and all that stuff. I, Carson has rubbed people the wrong way. He's left bad impressions at two different places now. And my thought last year was if he can't make it an indie, I don't know where he can make it. That was just yeah. my bottom line, you know, takeaway. And the fact that they had to play him while increasing the chances of giving up a higher draft pick and doing so, knowing that he was their best option last year, it was it was tough to watch. And it's I, I don't know what to make of this, Liz. I just I look at their their roster. I, I see some intriguing playmakers. But I really don't know if this thing's going to work. I don't think anyone is anticipating that at work. I do think, though, you know, we're we're not remembering how Ron Rivera lived through and changed the Dwayne Haskins experience in Washington. And so if you're comping Winston admirably so, accurately so, to Wentz, <laughs> there's also um, some, like, let's be honest, like the commanders are a team that have some culture issues that have a little bit of spotlight on them that needs cleaning up. And I'm not saying that Wentz is free yeah, of his Culture warts. changer Carson Wentz. But, so, but that's what it, there's a cultural culture change that the media sees and there's a locker room culture change. And I think if you're Washington, you are much more concerned. You are Ron Rivera, right? Ron Rivera is a former yeah. coach. He played the game. No, Nobody in his position, given his trajectory, believes that he can't fix them. Right. Like that, I can do it. I know what's right. I played this game. I played in Chicago. Like I got, I get it. He's a salt of the earth guy. So I'm sure that's part of it. Also, we do not have the, uh, I think they would rather lose games than deal with another potential Jameis Winston gaffe. And, you know, Matt, you and I talked about when they threw the foosball tables out of the damn building, right? Like, I think this (laughs) is maybe some of that. And I do think, and Eric, I want to hear what you have to say about this, that Washington goes ahead and drafts a younger quarterback. Now, initially, your last mock, this is a good transitional space to discuss, you had Ole Miss's Matt Corral going to the football team, or I'm sorry, the commanders, um, but that's obviously going to change now. So do you Mm -hmm. think that they take a quarterback later? We've talked endlessly about how this draft is not necessarily deep at the position, but I don't think that... Washington is in a position to just pass. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that there's probably going to be one of the top six quarterbacks who falls. And, and, and the most likely to me is Carson Strong from Nevada. Health questions, you know, mobility concerns, although I think he's far more mobile when he's not unhealthy. So those two seem to go hand in hand. But yeah, I mean, he's a strong arm guy. He's got a little moxie. Didn't think he had a great senior bowl week. Didn't think he had an outstanding combine session. You know, I suppose Corral, who didn't work out either, it's possible he slides a little bit. And maybe if he's there in the second round, you're you're tempted, right? But, you know, it's either that or maybe Carson Strong in the third, you know, maybe Bailey Zappi in the fourth. I don't know how much starter potentially has, but it makes sense, right? Or if you're really intrigued by one of these late round guys with, you know, comes from a lower level of football, like 
you know, uh, EJ Perry from uh, Brown or Akil Glass from Alabama A&M, then you're sure. Okay. Perry had himself a good combine. Let's not, you know, that's my alma mater too. We got to take the wins where we can get them in our conference. Your alma mater in my hometown. He's from Andover, Mass. So I got to pull for the guy, right? So it's uh, it's a good combination right there. And uh, in this case, if it's Brown, you don't flush it down. He's good. I love it. Matt, I had to throw it in there. Yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect. From a fantasy <laughs> perspective, obviously, we immediately think about Terry McLaurin. Now, I have an interesting question. Wait before you facepalm it. I know exactly the late. emoji you were recreating <laughs> last year. Okay, for the listening audience, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> last year, heading into August, heading into the season, we were all excited about Terry McLaurin. Nobody was worried about the volume. I mean, nobody stayed healthy, so it didn't matter anyway. But with Ryan Fitzpatrick and his YOLO style of ball, per ADP data, Terry McLaurin was the 10th wide receiver off the board. Do we really feel like Carson Wentz, excusing all of the narrative surrounding him, is that much worse than Ryan Fitzpatrick would have been and also here's a tidbit Michael Pittman was the wide receiver 19 on the season last year different players but I'm trying to make as much of a parallel as I can yeah I think uh so people said this to me on Twitter when I mentioned that uh you know I I was like listen this is just us Terry McLaurin fans are down bad uh and someone made the point like listen you know he's he's better than Taylor Heineke he's he's better than any quarterback he's ever played with come on and I'm digging on my Allen Robinson experience here where I've learned my lesson (laughs) to not get excited about you know from when you go from freaking awful to still bad okay so that's the thing (laughs) I'm not going to get excited about anything with Terry McLaurin at this point um even though again I think he is truly like a top 10 receiver in the NFL on an individual basis. Um, But yeah, like you said, wide receiver 19, I think that Carson Wentz can support him to those type of numbers. I was hoping for better. We didn't get better. Um, But yeah, I think the, the egregious nature of the trade is more of like a real life, um, like franchise building type of thing here for, for Washington. I think that's the real disgusting part of it, but yeah, I think things could have been worse for Terry McLaurin. Like from a fantasy perspective, I think this is maybe a slight upgrade from, uh, ODU's finest Taylor Heineke. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I I think that it's, again, it's the, the salary, the draft pick part of it, that's the tough thing to swallow here if you're a Washington fan. And, I mean, God bless you. You've, you've dealt with – this is probably like 25th on the things you're pissed off about right now or even in the franchise history. So I get it. But, yeah, I think for Terry McLaurin, I, he could get him to – he could probably get him to Michael Pittman type of numbers. The only thing I worry about here is, as Eric said, we got Carson Wentz was like 13th, 14th in adjusted yards per attempt last year. They got like league average numbers out of Carson Wentz in Indy last year, but that was like the perfect ecosystem for him. All the way back in 2020 with the Eagles, he was objectively by any measure a bottom three quarterback, and I'm being generous by not just calling him the Stone War starter from 2020. So I think the 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 Washington situation is a lot more familiar to what we saw with tw- the 2020 Eagles than the 2020 Colts. That's for sure. So, or 2021 Colts. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned that the whole thing can just fall apart. And then we're looking at more Taylor. Heine- I, I, what, what, what's like one and a half games start for Taylor Heineke next year. Give me the over. I'll, I'll take Ooh, the over on yeah. that one. I mean, McLaurin, like 131 targets last year, 77 receptions. Like that's a yikes. That is a yikes for sure. And I have to imagine that Terry McLaurin, like if I were in his camp and his member of his team, if you will, I'd be like, maybe you should call Elshon Jeffrey just to like, just as a like heads up, maybe want to have a convo with him so you can adjust some expectation and Hey, maybe you clear them. But I do think from a fantasy perspective, we can expect McLaurin to hit you know, wide receiver 20 type numbers. And I don't think it's, I mean, listen, I hope there's a market correction uh, or market overreaction rather so that I can like take advantage of some value myself. But I don't think that if we're using the comp from last year, it's that much different. Um, Eric, to you. Uh, so we know what Washington ostensibly is going to do. What is Indianapolis going to do? Mm. That's that's a great question right there. They all of a sudden, you know, it was a need before. It's an even bigger need now. There there were some people trying to convince me last week that 
you know, having heard Chris Ballard and Frank Reich trash Carson Wentz's trade value that, hey, maybe he stays, <laughs> right? I mean, like they're on the podium basically putting the guy. I've never heard a session quite like what Ballard, who's usually very, uh, you know, complimentary to some of these guys. Well, uh, you know, I thought it was bizarre. And, you know, like you said earlier, Matt, how they got what they did is pretty incredible. That helps their cause, obviously. I They were connected to Mariota uh last year that was a name that that a lot of people felt like was going to end up as the Colts starter you know had familiarity with the division obviously sort of felt like he should get a second chance somewhere um that was the direction a lot of people felt they were going to go prior to this Wentz reclamation project thing kind of popping up and the and the opportunity for that so he's got to be on the list you know, they, they've had this sort of game where they draft fourth round quarterbacks and, you know, they're good enough to make the roster like Sam Ellinger, but, you know, or not good enough in the case of Jacob uh, Eason. Uh, and it's just it's to me, it's like Russian roulette. You can you can do it once in a while. But like after a while, you know, it comes back to bite you. Those are those are valuable picks. And if you don't have a plan for that quarterback, what's the point in drafting them? So. That said, similar to, to Washington, like we were talking about with the, the late round flyer, the mid round possibility, you know, they certainly would, would have a lot bigger interest, I would think. And the problem is, of course, no first round pick. We know why. Right. <laughs> I think in that mid second round range, two of the three possibly could be within range, maybe not, you know, five or six picks out. I would think Matt Corral is a possibility. Believe it or not, I had him as a first rounder before. Didn't work out in Indy. There's some questions about his size and his ability to improvise and things like that. His fit in NFL offense wouldn't stun me if he ends up a second round pick early, but still Sam Howell from North Carolina. I think he he very well could go anywhere from the, you know, the 25th pick to the 45th wouldn't shock me. Desmond Ritter would be in that same range, I think as well. So I would think at least one of those three, if not possibly even two, should still be on the board by about the 40th pick. And then you make a decision. Hey, do we want to move up and get our guy? Or do we sit back and let hopefully one of them come to us? I think the draft is an option. And it, it's funny because Ballard, his reputation as being a, a talent hound and the guy who uncovers all these gems. But quarterback's the one spot that they haven't gotten right yet under his watch. And I still think that that irks him a little bit. Matt, are you surprised? This is, what the, is this the sixth season? They've Sorry. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Like, whatever Something like that. Say. Six. Yeah. Yeah, sixth season there got a different week one starter, right? Is that right? Is it well? Let's see. After Luck, then there was uh, what Rivers or no? It was they had the, well, the, they had they had the they had the fir- uh, the first year with Luck, or was he completely injured? Frank Reich's first season. Do we have a start. Jacoby well, Brissett experience? We got a Scott maybe? Tolzien at some point. We got a, we got Scott Tolzien, oh and then we had gosh. Andrew Luck, and then they we had Jacoby That's Brissett, right. and then we had Philip Rivers, and then we had Carson Wentz last year. So I think this is the sixth year in a row they'll have a different Week One starter. Unreal, Scott Tolzien. How did I forget that one? Right, that was the one. <laughs> I right mean, before, out in L.A. Easy right? to yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy to forget. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am. I appreciate the fact that you didn't immediately bring up Jimmy Garoppolo's name and that Marcus Mariota was the one that you uh, floated first because I feel like the knee-jerk reaction, at least on social media, was that, like, you know, why give up Carson Wentz to get Jimmy Garoppolo? And that was right. kind of what Matt and I discussed last week. But interesting uh, insider info that perhaps it is a, it's a different quarterback of a similar tier and you know it'll be interesting to hear if the if the shoulder surgery kind of affected those choices um if we're talking about surgeries we often talk about injuries and if we're going to talk about injuries let's talk about mike williams because he's usually hurt but he will be staying in los angeles (laughs) look at that um he will be staying in los angeles with the chargers for Two to three years. Contract is for three years and $60 million. $40 million of that is guaranteed. The Chargers do have an out in 2024 if they want to move on. I think, uh, you know, Matt, I'm going to let you take the floor because I know, again, this was one of the players that you had been tracking rather closely. I just also want to add that I think it's pretty prudent given the fact that Keenan Allen turns 30 in April, actually just the day before the NFL draft opens on the 27th of April. So, you know, Matt, he didn't he didn't get the franchise tag. He's going to earn a little bit more money and stay put. It, it seems like, it, you know, it was good faith on both sides uh, of this of this deal here. 
Yeah, for sure. Like uh, I said last week, I, I figured they would probably retain him. I thought it would be via the franchise tag, but they come to a nice long-term agreement here. I think it makes so much sense. Look, you're you're in Justin Herbert's rookie contract window. By the way, they front-loaded most of this money so that it's going to be primarily around uh, Justin Herbert's rookie deal. Like once they get to the third year, it's like all, you know, all hands on deck. Like they might just get rid of him at that point. Like this is going to, but at that situation, it makes so much sense to just keep him around. You're not going to, you don't lose weapons when you have uh, Herbert in this window, you want to gain more of them. I actually think they could still make a move at wide receiver. Maybe it's not a free agent, um, but like, Eric, I think they could take a round one receiver for sure. But for the time being, it, it makes so much sense for them to keep Williams around. Um, I know that folks like got kind of got bent out of shape about the fact that, that he didn't hold that like low A dot role for his entire uh, the entire season last year. Well, that's because Mike Williams ain't that guy, right? Like he's not a full field X receiver. He's primarily a downfield guy that wins in contested situations. He's not at like a true number one receiver, um, despite what his salary might say. I think this is a perfectly reasonable deal for a guy that is going to be your second fiddle behind Keenan Allen. And again, I think they could still they still need wide receiver help for sure because they don't really have a true three. And even with Williams' downfield prowess and contested situations, I think they could they could use a speed guy on this offense for sure. And uh, based on the combine times, at least, we got a lot of burners here that could potentially be uh, available for them. I like what Josh Palmer did down the stretch, but I agree. I think a, another speed option would really round this whole group together. Maybe a tight end, you know, when you know, the post cook days and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think Palmer really kind of opened my eyes a little bit. It was a, it was a late draft crush of mine. I, I kind of got on him about this time a year ago and, you know, the numbers weren't that impressive in college, but you saw a guy who was competing, had bad quarterback play, you know, had nice size and just good athleticism in general. And, you know, he was averaging three, four, five catches a game down the stretch. So keep an eye on him, but I agree. I would love to, just to see them add one more little burst of speed to complement, you know, the the underneath work of of Allen, the the jump ball stuff that uh, Williams can give you, and 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 just kind of round it all out a little bit. And I feel like Palmer is great insurance for Williams because of the durability issues, right? Inevitably, Matt always says, "You ain't never not had a bad back." I do it. I do it. I do it. <laughs> no, right? not even no. close. <laughs> ain't nobody used to have a bad back. <laughs> okay. you're out of you're out of practice it's fine uh my yes i i I am rusty but josh palmer see i'm with you i i also liked palmer out of tennessee and attributed a lot of his underwhelming statistics to the lack of quarterback play at college and obviously herbert i mean can you imagine like the upgrade he felt like just i feel like like manna from heaven it opened up when he hit (laughs) sofi and saw justin herbert and his giant like body standing there (laughs) um but I, I I don't know. Do you really like? I'm I'm wondering if they'll really use a first round draft pick on a speed guy because this class is so deep. And it's not just like Matt made a really good point about how based on these combine times, there are so many receivers that are flying. But it's different than previous seasons. This is not the Devonta Smith, you know, five foot nine, 160 pounds kind of like gnat that flies through space these guys are like above six feet tall these are some decent size speed prospects putting up sub four four times yeah i'll say this real quick about the chargers and then kind of veer onto what you just said about the receivers i think it's smart um what i've heard about the chargers is that they're kind of hell-bent on getting another cornerback i realize it's a fantasy show but that could impact their draft plans right you get a corner in free agency whether it's jc jackson or, or whomever uh make a big play there in that division, you need as many as you can get. Then that kind of frees up that position from having to be taken in round one. I think they're the type of team or even like the Buffalo Bills or whoever, Jamison Williams from Alabama. If you're not in need of, of a guy right away because of the ACL injury he suffered in the national championship game, he's the perfect player to draft, right? Where your rookie year, it's like anything we get out of him is is bonus, he didn't get to run an indie. We, we you know, he's going to be a while before we see him run in any, in any way. But I really think that he would be wide receiver one in this class if he was healthy. And I just, I love his game, and I think he just has a little bit more upside than some of the other guys. But to your point, I mean, you know, the the the, the large guys like Traylon Burks and and Drake London, you know, even the smaller guys, quote unquote, like like uh, Jahan Dotson, for instance. Yeah, you know, he's still almost six foot tall. So there, there, there are fewer of the shrimpy guys and a little bit more of the the medium to to upper end uh, size wise. Well, let's let's keep on this topic then because 
since this is a fantasy show. But I appreciate you mentioning the cornerbacks because then we can set our expectations. Sometimes as fantasy heads, we need to be reminded of the other positions um, and how <laughs> the draft board could fall accordingly. So but because it is a fantasy show, which names, and obviously landing spot notwithstanding, because we don't know yet, but which names um, could be big rookie stars that fantasy managers might want to like file away. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, putting Williams to the side because of the health reasons, John Mechie from Alabama, same thing. I would probably even say Justin Ross is from Clemson is in that discussion too, as far as, you know, how much can they do right away? Where Drake London from USC ends up is going to be really interesting. He could be a volume target. He was catching, uh, you know, 11 passes a game uh, through eight games at USC before his injury. And, you know, you just, speaking of Mike Williams, there, there really aren't a whole lot of comps for London. That's probably the closest I can come up with. He's not maybe as thickly, you know, sort of built and, and, you know, sinewy as, as Williams is, but I, I still see a similar type of game from him. And I think he could, you know, possibly thrive in that in a similar role so he's one to keep in mind I mean he doesn't have the the neck injury that Williams did coming out it's it was an ankle it's fine he'll he'll be okay by by minicamp so he's one that that I think has sort of gained some steam Traylon Burks has probably lost a little bit even though there was all this Debo hype and you know he was the next AJ Brown slash Samuel type of player I still could see that. But by the, the way, you couldn't you couldn't find two more different receivers. I know. <laughs> like I, I've seen this too, and it's like kind of weird, right? Because yeah, nothing that Debo Samuel does looks anything like what AJ Brown Correct. does, and and vice versa. I it, you know what it is, and he, I, I've actually thought about this before. I think what when people watch Burks play, they say that's the Debo role. I'm going to comp him to Debo. Fine, but Debo Samuel is what like five eleven, two fifteen or something. I mean, this kid is six five you know, 232 pounds. I mean, there's just a different type of beast. Now, AJ Brown isn't that tall either, but he's got that sort of thick trunk yeah, that, huge. yeah, I mean, he's, you know, if he was four inches taller, he'd look like Burke. So I agree. It's, it's more about kind of a mix of body size, thickness mixed with the role he played in college. I'm starting to, to worry a little bit about him though, guys, not just because of the testing numbers, but a lot of that stuff was just schemed up for yep. him. And if you're expecting him to come in and sort of just be a traditional number two receiver and, and you know, run NFL routes and not have some of this stuff sort of, I don't say spoon fed, but, you know, sort of put on the menu a little bit. He could be one who takes a little while to adjust and, and maybe isn't the rookie star some people are, are hoping for. Yeah, you don't get a Kyle Shanahan. You don't get right. the same production. I mean, mm, yep. yeah. I feel like last year's Debo Samuel was Kadarius Tony, right? And there were moments that he flashed, but like, oh, you think hey, Jason Garrett's going to unlock one. that potential? Come on. <laughs> I think Traylon Burks is also interesting because while you make excellent points about where his, like, the creativity of the offense is necessary to his success, I also think the thing that I'm not hearing discussed as much that, I, that makes me like him and, like, maybe overlook some of the testing numbers is that because he's moved in so many positions and used all over the field, there is like a versatility and football IQ that sure. is perhaps ahead of the curve. So I love that you mentioned him because I think that he is going to be very landing spot specific. Um, I, I do want to ask you what your thoughts are on Christian Watson, who I think did himself a boatload of favors in Indianapolis. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, it's interesting. Some people are really intrigued by him. And I mean, here's a guy who's 6'4", 210 or whatever he is who could run. You know, he's a vertical threat. It was sort of hand, uh, you know, handcuffed a little bit in, in North Dakota State's offense because they're a run-first offense. They were when Trey Lance was the quarterback. They were when Easton Stick was the quarterback. And to a certain degree, they were when Carson Wentz was too. So it's become a little bit more pronounced Maybe. now. They're run-first, <laughs> throw-second. I will say this. He's got big playability. They used him as a runner. I mean, he probably had about, I don't know, 20 carries his final year in college or something like that, 15. So, you know, a little added bonus running-wise. He's got that vertical ability. So, certainly, you're going to have uh, a little bit more on the yards per catch and a little bit more bang for your buck, I think, wherever he lands. To me, he just looks like a Packers wide receiver, oh, right? I mean, sing the, it, the, Eric. the body type, you know, the, the game, right? That's the kind of guy they love. They love big, fast dudes, you know, 6'4 and can run a 4'4 or whatever. Hey, sign me up. I like it. So, he's... You know, it's funny. I talked to one evaluator, pretty respected person too late in the year who was thinking he was like a fourth round pick. 
Now, since then, obviously, his stock has kind of simmered up to a boil, I think. I don't know that he cracks the top 50, but he'll be in play in day two for sure. Matt, you obviously, this is this is the bread and butter. This is the reception perception. Are there any rookies you want to ask Eric about while we have his um, knowledge at our immediate disposal? <laughs> Yeah, I want to ask about Chris Olave because he just seems like a real guy that, you know, you just plug in in, in any offense um, and he'll he'll thrive, right? Like he might not be like a number one type of receiver, but maybe sort of maybe sort of like, um, you know, players. This player has been in the news and has like kind of outkicked these expectations. But like I, I felt very similar to like Calvin Ridley when he came out like, mm, OK, yeah. you know, he's going to be a guy that comes in and is just like a consummate number two receiver. I think he ended up being a little bit more than that and proved that, that now it feels like a thousand years ago is going to be the last time we saw him play football. But um, I think he did eventually outkick those sort of expectations and go a little bit farther along, like the Stefan Diggs side of that access of receiver. But um, I don't know. He seems like a guy that I think I, I'm, I'm going to be pretty high on. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's funny. There's a little bit of ambivalence for me, but just because, I was surprised he didn't come out last year, and I don't know that he got better as a football player. I thought he should have come out last year just from a, you know, maximizing your value standpoint. You know, everybody has an individual decision to make. That was just my third-party opinion. But, you know, I don't know that he really helped himself. But at the same point, you're right. He's so mature, so smooth in his route running, so efficient out there that he gains natural separation. If you put him opposite somebody who – you know, attracts any kind of attention whatsoever. He should be getting single coverage and I think it's going to carve people up. You know, it's, he's almost like a little bit of a bigger play version of I'm on Ross St. Brown. How many catch hmm. passes did he catch last year? I don't know. It felt like about 112 based on the last Bud Lake Cooper cup. Yeah. Right. Oh, I mean, it was, it was crazy. I mean, I drafted him in super league, by the way, that was, that was my easily oh, my best pick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course we draft about 800 players, but yeah, I mean, he's he's <laughs> just funny. one of those guys that I think he's never going to be a huge yak guy. He doesn't break tackles, really. He's a little bit soft. I mean, that's just his game. He's a finesse player. But if finesse gets you, you know, 70 catches for 900 yards and seven touchdowns, sign me up, baby. I'm all in. So I, I definitely like him. I think he's got a lot of maturity to his game. In fact, I've heard some McLaurin comps as far as, like, no. play style. and, and Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, I huh. I don't I don't necessarily see it, but I've heard people say that um, similar body oh, ain't styles. Nothing so, ain't nothing soft about Terry McLaurin. Oh no, yeah. that guy. oh yeah, no, right, yeah. like <laughs> right. But just in terms of like, yeah, that's that's a good call. They, they're definitely not the same creature or whatever. But you know, in terms of same school physical attributes, pretty similar in some ways. Yeah. Uh, well, we can't mention Olave without mentioning his teammate, Garrett Wilson. So I think Absolutely. this will be the last one that we maybe preview or tease. Also, someone who did excellently at the Combine. Um, actually, I believe he ended up not in the unofficial. Olave was suspected to have run like a 4.26. Right. It ended up being a 4.39. But Wilson's official was 4.38. So he bested Crazy. him by a teeny, teeny, teeniest bit. Um I feel like, I mean, maybe it's the Ohio connection. Like Baker Mayfield's got a, there is video of Baker Mayfield watching him work out with his like jaw on the ground. Like what I could do with something like that. You in your pre-combine mock had Wilson going to New Orleans, which makes sense too. talk to me about the difference a little bit and you know, where you're thinking Wilson might land now. Yeah, he's, he's really fun. I've, I've appreciated him the more that I watch him. I think at first I thought, you know, how much of this is Ryan Day's offense and how much is Wilson? Yeah, I was starting to think, okay, I I feel like he's six yards open every single play, and a lot of that is, is going to be based on the play calling and the scheme. And, you know, doing it against Akron doesn't exactly impress me. But I watched him go up against tougher DBs as the year went on, and the more I realized that he is – like a contortionist out there, especially on the sideline, his body control is absurd. You know, you have a, a freshman quarterback who's in there, you know, occasionally throwing some off target passes and he can cross his body and catch it on the other hip, or he can extend beyond his frame, which isn't that big. I mean, he's six foot with, you know, 31 and a half inch arms or whatever he's got. And, you know, he still makes it look like a player who's six, two with 33 inch arms, the way he can do that. So really good hands, had a couple drops early in the year, and then I don't think dropped a pass his last 10 games or something. Um, he's he's able to sink really low and kind of has great vision after the, he's, you know, for Olave not being the yak guy, Garrett Wilson is yeah. all yak, right? Whether it's yeah. 
taking the top off a of defense and, and beating the safety to, to the middle of the field or taking a short pass and turning it into a 12 yarder or something. So he's got punt return ability. They occasionally handed the ball to him as well. I, I really like the guy, even if he's not, he plays strong, even if he's probably more McLaurin in terms of play style, you know, and aggressiveness and my ball attitude and everything. So tough kid. I like him a lot. And I think, I think he's a little bit better football player than Olave, but, but you know, they're, they're both really interesting. Let's let's switch positions a little bit. Quarterback, we're going to return to. We started the show talking about free agent quarterbacks and their movement. Um, but of course, the draft is a giant piece of that. In your pre combine mock, well, okay, I keep referencing this pre combine mock because uh, I don't know if you've been busy, but there isn't a post combine mock yet. I co- I even uh... called Al Toby and was like, Al. I mean, hey. there is only one of you. So I'm just, <laughs> when are you going to have another post-combine mock so we can get an update? Yeah, thanks for throwing me under the bus to my editor. Appreciate that, Liz. We're all good. Everything's fine between uh, us. They're not listening. Don't worry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, we actually had that discussion, I think, yesterday. So maybe you prompted that. He's like, when's your next mock? And I said, well, last we talked, we thought we would kind of wait for, you know, the Wilson Rogers sort of stuff to settle down. So we said, all right, let's drop it on, on or about April Fool's Day. So we've got a couple of weeks to kind of kind of brew up some more uh, some more stuff for that. All right. Well, we'll we'll be pre- previewing it here then, because All right. I, I I check your mocks regularly to like check myself and to check like my own work. Um, sure. Yeah. So you had Pickett going to Denver at the nine spot. That's obviously like that's Seattle's put. pick now, right? Yeah. Um, yep. and basically it is interesting because Seattle basically moves up one spot above the Jets after the Jamal Adams trade. So it's not a wash by any means, but in terms of (laughs) where they're picking in 22, one spot better, I suppose. Um, Do you think they select Kenny Pickett in his tiny hands or could they go Malik Wilson or could they go completely rogue? And maybe, I mean, Pete Carroll is like a, like, I don't know, he's like a, a crazy fox, right? A crazy yeah. old fox, that, a crazy old Irish fox that would definitely punch you in the mouth. That's my, <laughs> if I were to like animate him in a cartoon. Um, yeah. Could they go Desmond Ritter, who you briefly mentioned, but also had maybe one of the best combines of any player at any position? Yeah, and by the way, any chance you get to trade Jamal Adams, two extra years of Jamal Adams first for, for Russell Wilson, you do it, right? Okay, there's no oh question God. about that, my goodness. I went on Seattle radio this morning and, and first of all, they have no idea. They're still in shock, right? They're, they're up there. They're trying to, you know, sort through everything. What does this mean? Two franchise pillars gone in a, in about a four hour period here, but they are not sold that that ninth pick, this one radio show I did. uh, It doesn't seem like the fans are sold on a rookie there. I think if I had to guess, and this is just me sort of, you know, I mean, Seattle's draft tendencies have been a little bit more unorthodox. They take second or third round talents in round one because they love the guy. They know exactly what he is, and that's why they take him. Um, that's probably Malik Willis. Now, there would be that fear of like, all right, we're going to get a runaround quarterback to replace a runaround quarterback. You know, the comparisons are going to be obvious. He's got that sort of running back build like Russell Wilson. They're totally different players. But look, there is a Venn diagram that shows some overlap between the two, and I mean, he would be fascinating. If you're looking to get the fans excited and you think you have something for down the road and that Drew Locke isn't going to be the worst quarterback in the NFL, okay, you start him day one and, and take Willis. And <laughs> if he's there, who knows? Uh, and that would be the quarterback route I would go because I think he's got phenomenal ability, but boy, he's he's got a lot to figure out. He's not nearly as advanced as Wilson was coming out of Wisconsin after you know four years at NC State. Not a rookie starter kind of guy, more of the Trey Lance school of development in terms of where he is, but he's played more football at least. So that's the one that kind of sticks out. I could see him going defense, but I don't know. I I just, this whole situation is kind of throwing me for a loop. Because Malik Wilson's going to learn under Drew Locke. Um, uh, Who wouldn't Matt. want the chance, right? <laughs> Matt, I just, I, I'm, I'm sure the guys handled this already, but as the president of the Tyler Lockett fan club, how's, how's your blood pressure right now? Listening to that from Eric at home. I mean, uh, Liz, you and I made the exact same face when uh, Eric said Drew Locke might not be the worst <laughs> starting quarterback or whatever. It was like, oh, God. I mean, the, he is. It, it, he is. <laughs> <laughs> He's been 
been just about one of them. Uh, but the cra- the crazy part about they this said, by is, by the way, Eric went to Mizzou. So I like, did. I can take there- it though. We've we've had a lot of bad <laughs> yeah. quarterbacks. Trust me. Yes. Oh, Liz and I have had more than more than a few uh, opposing side of the Drew Lock spectrum arguments or, or discussions. <laughs> Not on the winning side of that one, over Eric. the year. <laughs> Not on the winning side. I mean, I didn't say that. You said that. But right. uh, listen, here the the thing with the Seattle Seahawks now is they're basically just the Seattle Broncos. Like they've just <laughs> become the Broncos. Not just because Drew Lock is a starting quarterback. It's like. As uh, I think I wrote this in my recap, the trade article as Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick take the exit on the quarterback wilderness highway, Tyler <laughs> Lockett and DK Metcalf are just coming on the on ramp, man. And and that's oh. uh, it's unfortunate because um, I, I saw Mike Sando from the athletics say that he doesn't believe there's any like substance to Twitter's like want to desire to want to get these guys traded out of Seattle now at this point, um, even though Tyler Lockett's contract could be worked around. I, God, I mean, we're we're probably dealing with like, um, and I like Malik Willis as a prospect, by the way, but like, I don't think he's starting in, in year one, as you mentioned, uh, Eric, like I think he, and frankly, I'd, I'd much prefer him. Um, like you said, Liz, to not be, not even just be picking up on the tendencies from drew lock, but drew locks getting his ass bench in like October or November, right. November's like generous. If he makes it to November, in the NFC West, right? Like this, yeah, this right. isn't the NFC East. This is the, this is, well, up until this trade, like the most competitive division in professional football. So there's <laughs> One some of these things does not look like the other. Also, I want I wanted to like because we're talking about like the ascent of Cortland Sutton, and I'm going to throw in Tim Patrick, one of the most underrated receivers in the league, and Jerry Judy. Um, while the descent uh, of Metcalf and Lockett like kind of crosses each other, but I think. Just for fantasy heads, if we're going to let's specify or contextualize that a little bit with some numbers like I'm I am not going to rank DK Metcalf. I mean, unless Drew Locke is the starter, but like I'm still not going to like rank him outside of my top 25 wide receivers. I'm probably going to still rank him ahead of Cortland Sutton and ahead of Jerry Judy. But will you ever like confidently click on them? You know, it's one thing like with rankings, you know, but when you actually get into the draft room. These guys are going to come. And of course, like it happens, right? It happens to all of us. I've fallen into this trap before. But it's like, man, I don't like this guy at wide receiver 17, but he's here at wide receiver 22. Like, I guess I just got to click him. And sometimes I feel like I, I know I've gotten myself into trouble um, in those type of situations. So I'm going to try to kind of be extremely quarterback and ecosystem sen- sensitive this year. Um, unless it comes at a steep discount, right? Like Michael Pittman with damn Carson Wentz last year, he was going in like ninth, 10th, 11th round. And then, you know, Wentz's little ankle foot thing pops up. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. Um, uh, I, I will be, uh, we've got some breaking news by the way here. Can I, can I break some news? Sure. Do you, it. Liz. Yes, please. Your, your Chicago bears are attempting to finalize a trade right now that will send, uh, Khalil Mack to the LA chargers per that? rap sheet and Adam Schefter. I'm not breaking the news, by the way. My phone's just breaking the news. <laughs> well, I have my yeah. alerts turned off for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. But, uh. but um, wow. I mean, as as a Chargers fan now, I think that's <laughs> phenomenal news. Look at this. This is this is uh, it's it's all it's all circling around you, Liz. You're, the, the, the planets are orbiting here. <laughs> no, but also, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, as someone who believes in Justin Fields' ascent. Next year, I kind of like this. I mean, if the defense takes more of a hit, then I think that maybe Justin Fields is going to have to do more, and I'd like to see more out of him. And also, we always talk up Eberflus as a coach who is able to, like, coach up these players who manages to have these rosters um, where the sum of the parts is not the same as the whole, you know, the phrase that I have trouble saying along with the bad back one, that. <laughs> um, and so I actually, I, I don't, hate this if we are leaning into a rebuild and i really like it for the chargers and brandon staley eric go yeah uh khalil mack joey bosa i mean derwin james in the back come on like that's and look you know max on the doubt side of his career there's no question that you know he hasn't been the same player but there's still a a a qb hunter there and after wilson gets traded in the division What's the next move the Chargers feel compelled to make? Get pressure players, right? So, yeah, this is uh, shocking to hear, but also at the same time, man, this this could really 
evolve that defense and give and, and stop giving Bosa, you know, four guys in his face and, and maybe stop keep him looking. healthier too. Right. I mean, they're going to lose Nuosu in, in free agency. He's going to probably be a Packer or somebody or a Colt or whatever. And, and yeah, this is going to be really fun. The Chargers still have, they have like the fifth most cap space. It's too. crazy. I, mean, I want, yeah. I, I haven't seen compensation yet, but, um, but, but it's, uh, it's supposed to be for prime draft picks. So I wonder if this take, if, if this is going to cost them a first round pick or something. So, wow. Uh, we'll 17th. See. I think they pick. Yeah. That's Yeah. I don't know. I, I haven't seen it yet. So this is good podcasting right now because people will be listening <laughs> to this hours later and they'll be like, Hey idiot. I already know. <laughs> Chargers making moves though, in reaction to the Russell Wilson news drops and then uh they sign resign not just tag mike williams and then add potentially a giant defensive a blue chip player like that like i let's go i love it i don't hate it for the bears i don't i do second think- round pick you said second and a sixth a second rounder and a sixth rounder in 2023 but i don't know if that's so uh yeah if not the first the whole hall I just bailed out uh, five minutes or two minutes ago, Matt. Uh, so, yeah, from sounding like a complete idiot. So, shout out That's to me. 48th pick. Right. Okay. Interesting. Very, very interesting. All right. Um, let's get back on track. Two more questions for Eric, and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, listen, we talked a little bit briefly at the top of the show about how maybe Indianapolis doesn't host the Combine, and that's kind of related to – the media experience that the combine is becoming this broadcast sort of event and the focus on the television, you know, you, you talked and there are plenty of articles about players opting out of the bench press, for example, because the field results were so consolidated and agents wanted to advise their clients, these players, these prospects to give it their all while the cameras were rolling. So that I'm imagining will make from at least a scouting and evaluation standpoint, Pro days more important, or is it all just a damn wash? And does that also make everything a little bit like? Are there going to be more draft day surprises because somebody does really well at a pro day, and that's just harder to track for all thirty-two teams? But they have a scout who's really in on this guy and goes to the pro day, and you know the staff is maybe a little bit more spread out. Do you think that that could lead to more draft day surprises, or do you think that like? I don't know, like maybe the evaluation just isn't as um, isn't as crystal clear. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I say this having, you know, we just came off two of the more, uh, you know, pre- uh, predictably chaotic drafts. Now it didn't end up going quite as haywire as I thought it might, but especially 2020 with COVID hitting, I mean, you know, you had general managers like drilling holes into their home offices, desperate to make sure they had 48 landlines going and, and, you know, the best internet possible. And how am I going to make my pick? So that to me, that whole experience was a way bigger you know, impediment to anything they were doing. Uh, my advice to GMs, you make a bad pick in 2020, blame it on COVID. Um, but this past year too, you know, we didn't have a combine at all. So, you know, my, my in- instinct is to say that, no one's terribly bothered by this. I'm sure the players are. They want to. They want to call the shots and have as many opportunities they can. If you mess up your 40 at the combine, both attempts, you at least have your pro day to fall back on. If you, you know, have a bench press that you're not crazy about, you can do that at pro day or at a at a private workout or something like that. So, you know, it, I just think the players were sitting there saying, "Why are you having bench the morning of the workouts?" Like if I'm a wide receiver or tight end or something and I'm, you know, doing my 17, 18 reps and all of a sudden my, 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 uh, peck pops on the last one. Well, guess what? Now my combine workouts been wiped out. So a lot of them were upset or, you know, just sort of worried about the, the fatigue that would create during the workout. And so most agents were saying, don't bench press, just do the workouts. You can bench at your pro day and then put a baseball cap on. Do I think there's, you know, maybe a little more emphasis on the pro days this year, because I think we're going to have, you know, full travel and the ability for GMs to go where they want to go and everything, perhaps, you know, and it was big last year when Zach Wilson's pro day was like, you know, the the first show of the stones tour. I mean, it was like, it was crazy. Every celebrity was there, you know, so maybe I'm overrating it slightly here. Or the stones, but yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) Justin Bieber. Yeah. Very current ref. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I'm showing how hip I am by that. Yeah. But that's okay. You've been studying players, <laughs> not um, 
for 20 years, apparently. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so because you are constantly studying these players, you are constantly tweaking your rankings. You're doing a little something a little bit different with them this year. Can you tell the listeners so that you're not just telling the NFL pod listeners, but also the fantasy pod listeners, because there is some connective tissue between these things, um, where to find your tweaks and as news breaks, like how you're reacting to it via your rankings. Yeah, I'm, I'm writing them in my native language of Polish this year. This is very exciting for me, close to my heart. I'm kidding. No, um, I just want to give a shout out to Poland. Why not? You know, uh, what I am going to do is use the same fantasy widget tool, whatever, you know, fantasy pros, <laughs> uh, prospect ranker thing that 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 has given me a little trouble, ranking but I'm, I'm happy with the it. Yeah, ranking ranking tool. Tool. That's that's exactly what I was going for. Uh, and I'm excited because I used to roll them out one by one and, you know, I'd maybe sometimes crank out two or three in a day and then sort of wait to let them, you know, come out. And I thought, what's the point of that? So I'm going to release them en masse and, and have that rankings tool kind of help guide people. So it'll be a little cleaner, a little easier to read, a little bit better to navigate and, uh, hopefully general generate a little traffic for, uh, for your boy here, you know? And where can we where can we find it? Just like your the Yahoo I think Sports. Yahoo Sports, yeah, man, okay. that's it. The website, the, the 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 World Wide Web. My uh, my name uh, is in the author page and uh, all that. And I'm not doing a good job of selling myself here, but yeah, just do some internet searching and uh, good luck. Well, I, I will help sell you a little bit. You should definitely right. check out Eric's author page on Yahoo Sports, <laughs> and you should follow him on social media. The way to spell his name and his handle on Twitter is at Eric, E-R-I-C underscore Ed Home, E-D-H-O-L-M. That is going to do it for this episode. Eric, thank you so much for taking time yeah. out of your very busy schedules, particularly this time of year to join Matt and I. You listeners can follow Matt and I. On social as well, I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That is at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We'll be back. Um, no, who's back on Tuesday? I don't know. I'm sure that uh, Andy and Dalton and Scott or some combination of that, that crew will be back on Tuesday to talk more free agency frenzy and whatever else pops up. Until then, we're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.